Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 13 of the Banter Reel. You're not going to repeat now, Chris? You're not going to repeat now, Chris? There you go. Tonight, we're going to be reviewing Kingsman. Uh, Tonight, we're going to be reviewing Kingsman. The Secret Service. The Secret Service. You're a Secret Service. You're a Secret Service. Good one. Okay, so we're going to play repeater for the whole episode. Fantastic. We've just seen it. Just released in Australia. Got a, a review for you guys to listen to. Hope you enjoy it. It's time for another great adventure on the one, the only, the Banteril! Kingsman is an international intelligence agency. What do these do? Electrocute you. Don't be ridiculous. It's a hand grenade. Shut up. We're here to enhance your skills. Train you for the evil out there. We are, first and foremost, gentlemen. Sounds like a lot of people are going to die. I guarantee it. Are we going to stand around here all day, or are we going to fight? <laughs> Son of a... Kingsman. All right, guys. So, yeah, we went and seen The Kingsman. Um, Chris, what was your first reaction to it? Uh, well, I actually wasn't sure what to expect from I was because um, I hadn't really followed this one leading up to it. I was half expecting whether it was going to be like some sort of cheesy bomb rip rip off on the vein of Austin Bowers or something. So um, I was actually quite pleasantly surprised by it. it. Had a had sort of a lot of charm to it. Obviously, I was aware of the film going into it. Kingsman's comic book. It's not actually called Kingsman. It's called just called The Secret Service. But I was aware of it. It's a Mark Miller comic book. So, if anyone who's familiar with Mark Miller's work, he's done uh, Kick-Ass, 1, 2, and 3, uh, Nemesis, uh, you've got Starlight, which is one that's actually in production with Fox right now, uh, Wanted, and he's also done some work for Marvel in the uh, Avengers storylines. So, the guy is a very uh, influenced comic book writer, and he's actually the executive producer for all Fox's Marvel films. But Matthew Vaughan, the director, he has also uh, been a part of X-Men films. He directed X-Men First Class, and he also directed uh, the first Kick-Ass movie. So a bit of, I had a bit of an idea what I was going into. I'd seen one of the trailers, hadn't really paid much attention to it. It was really, it was an outstanding movie, really, and it's getting high praise at the moment as well. Yeah, I mean, like, you once you, you can pretty easily put the connection between Kick-Ass and this together, because it goes... Even more over the top than Kick-Ass 2. Yeah, there's a very um, violent, humorous side to it, which is Mark Miller's niche. And yeah, very, very well portrayed film overall. Cast, what a great ensemble of a cast, really. you got Colin Firth, Mr. Darcy, playing <laughs> Harry Hart. The murderous Mr. Darcy. Yes, Mr. Darcy. Mr. Uh, Darcy's going to go kill some hate mongers. Mm, yes. But he's playing the probably pretty much the top notch um, Kingsman in the film. He's the best of the best. Uh, followed by Taron Egerton, mm-hmm. uh, who played Eggsy, who was the main character of the film. He did an outstanding job. Michael Caine as Arthur, the head honcho of Kingsman. Samuel Jackson as Richmond Valentine, the antagonist of the film. Yes, it is this deep and passionate Yeah, it was uh. Very, yeah, his lisp was something different. Yeah, it took the um over the top Bond villain over the top, especially yeah. in the scene where he 
um, goes to the Kingsman Tailors and he's like, oh, I need to get a Tascot with this penguin suit and then he gets the top hat to make him look all odd job. Yeah, that was very, uh, that was a very amusing little nod to Bond. Funny enough, there was talk of Leonardo DiCaprio in talks to play the main villain of the film, but obviously Samuel L. Jackson made the final cut for the antagonist. And you know, we, you and me, are very fond of Samuel L. Jackson, and uh, uh, he is a very good actor. And this was a perfect, perfect role for him. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see Leo, but ultimately, yeah, they probably made the right choice on this one. Yeah, it'd be great to see Leo in a Mark Miller script because Mark Miller is such a good writer. Yeah, but also it'd be nice to see Leo win an Oscar for once. <laughs> I don't think many Mark Miller's films will be getting Oscars anytime soon. Just because I don't whole... think Leo will be getting an Oscar <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> that too. You had Sophia uh, Cookson who was playing Roxy. She was the other agent of a Kingsman, um, aka Lancelot. Thinking code name was Mark mm-hmm. Strong, one of my favorite uh, favorite actors um, hitting up Hollywood at the moment. He played Merlin. A tech savvy, uh, I guess you'd call it Q from the Bond yes. films. One of my favourite cameos for the film was Mark Hamill. Yeah, I didn't actually pick up on that on the start. You didn't? No, no, oh, it went well. completely over me. Chris, that's just disappointing. I think we have to let you go. It's been a pleasure working with you here on the banter. <laughs> but we have to let you go. You okay, can't recognise Luke. Check out the mail. <laughs> you can't recognise Luke Skywalker. What's what's the world coming to? Funnily enough, in the comic, and I've only read the first issue today. Uh, he is in the. He's actually Mark Hamill in the in the comic book. So they've tweaked that a little bit, obviously making it. He was one of the celebrities that kept getting pinched throughout the film, but it was more or less him being himself. And they casted Mark Hamill in the uh, portrayal of Professor Ar- James Arnold. So I um, felt he did a very Jokerized voice for this film. If anyone doesn't know, he played the Joker in the Batman animated film uh, series, series and films. Sorry. And video games as well, but he very much, I could hear that presence of the Joker when he was talking. How was your, uh, obviously you didn't recognise him to start off with, Chris, but... Nah, no, nah, well I suppose it was a minor, little minor cameo, well bigger than a minor cameo, but um, yeah, overall it was pretty, pretty well cast. Yep. Um, yeah, they all played their part, I suppose, yeah, the folks, um, Darren, who did an excellent job along with Colin Firth. Mm-hmm. And Samuel Jackson. Yes. Now there is someone else we've missed here, Samantha Womack as Michelle. Oh yes. Yes. Now she was wearing the was it, I guess you'd call it sword prosthetic legs. Yeah, yeah. I suppose. I wonder if this is a nod to um the Blade Runner, the South African disabled runner that's recently been through the trials. God, the name's escaping me, but his yeah. nickname was the Blade Runner, yeah. if I recall correctly. So I wonder if that's a, a reference to that, considering yeah, prosthetics are blades. Mm. That was she was a great villain. Uh, she played the sword wielding legless assassin, I guess you call it. Uh, but her, her presence in the film was, you know, very well portrayed, and she was a very great support character for Samuel L. Jackson's overall villain being the person who can't tolerate violence <laughs> which was a great twist on the uh, typical I guess you'd call villain yeah yeah well I suppose the nod to Bond and it is a very heavy nod especially when um, Colin and Samuel L. Jackson have their um, first meeting where they talk about their um, talk about Bond films yeah now the plot how... itself yeah we'll dive in the plot now but the plot itself yeah. was um was very well, well crafted there was a lot of um dialogue between all your characters i didn't feel like it, it didn't really slow down at all it was a very um well set pace throughout the film which gave oh, well, go on, i'd sorry. actually say at points it sort of got a bit hyperactive and sort of felt at points where it was like it had add and stuff and it was 
popping around a fair bit. Well, yeah, it had a lot to get through in a sense of a, an established film for the first time, and I'm, I don't know if there'll be any sequels after this. Um, it had a lot to cover in the time that it had. Obviously, you've got a kid who is um, a rough nut. He's had a hard time in his childhood, and he's still having it now, like growing up in the um, the projects of England, and he's had to... You know, you've got to try and develop that character as quickly as possible. So he's got his training. He's got to, you know, become that character that initially is the hero of the day. So there's a lot of um, stuff to cover in it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose there were certain scenes where it got to the point where it's doing quick cuts. I suppose the first one where Harry meets the professor and blows his head off. Yep. During all the training montage is happening as well. Mm-hmm. Plus more exposition into um, Richmond Valentine as well. It just and with the cuts and the pacing, it felt like it was like, and it had points where it felt like it was bouncing around like a kid hopped up on sugar. But then it settled down again pretty well. So there were quiet slums in the movie, but considering how fast other scenes moved overall, it was well paced. Yeah, and really like. It's been very well developed, seeing as it's loosely based on the comic book. It's not word for word. Matthew Vaughan went back and uh, wrote the screenplay for it, along with Jane Goldman. So they've gone back and they've developed a, a, pretty much a story loosely based on this story from the comics. Uh, and it, it's worked well how they've adapted it to the screen. Mark Miller is happy with it, and it just it it was paced very well, and it didn't. I wasn't bored throughout. You know any discussion scenes or you know where there was a lot of talking and it just it worked really well and the characters all had the great yeah, chemistry there yeah there wasn't a lot to the to the villainous plot which meant it could just get on with it yeah because basically it was he just it likened the whole um human race to a virus and it needed to be eradicated so these free sim cards would turn everyone into a violent killer very simple easy and he'd save the cream of society to repopulate very simple yeah it was a very simple plot and it, it, it worked it worked really well yeah so it just allowed it to just get on with it and have fun with the scenes because it had two i suppose big set piece scenes where in the, the hate church where it got very typical from what you'd um, expect to see from um vaughn totally over the top choreographed violence yeah killing all the hate mongers and then again at the very end of the scene where they um, Eggsy and uh, Merlin are cornered, and then they hit the little inhibitor switches, which are to protect the brain from the violent effect of the SIM cards, and all their heads explode in like a multicolored technique. If you've played Far Cry 4, where you get on the sort of acid trips and all these blasts of color, that's sort of what all these effects were like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's a couple of couple of um, scenes I was watching in the movie and I was, it, it felt very, and I'm interested to see in the comic books whether or not it was portrayed as the same thing because Mark Miller has quite a voice when it comes to standing up for people's rights and whatnot. And that scene in the church where they're, they're pretty much bashing any non-religious person, I guess you'd call it, without diving into that too much, but it felt as though that was a very Mark Miller um, print on it. So I'll be very... Very intrigued to read the rest of the comic book now and see whether that is actually in there because Mark Miller has, he always is a, he's not afraid to state what he's what he's thinking and he puts that in his comic books time and time again. So yeah, but yeah very interested well, to see if that how that goes. I'm also wondering whether the reason why they chose the hate group is because at that point you hadn't they hadn't fully revealed the plot yeah that it was to turn everyone into rage monsters yep. and yeah um, Harry just 
goes into the church and as he walks out, he just flips and just mm. starts killing people along with everyone else. So I wonder if the choice of the hate group was to make sure you stayed on Harry's side. Like, he didn't think you just went into this murderous rampage and then you'd lose all sympathy for him before the big... He gets off by Valentine. Again, in a numerous moment, because he's like, oh, 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 I don't like you, Spiders. Yeah. Is that what happens if you shoot someone in the head? Ugh. Yeah, jumping, obviously, we're going to jump forward to the end, the final act. Very well, very well crafted. Obviously, turning it all on the people who had funded the project and having all their heads explode like that with our fireworks. Uh, it was very amusing. <laughs> it probably went on for a bit too long, but, um, yeah. Yeah, but it's his style. Yeah, yeah. So it was very well done. I enjoyed the uh, end scene with Samuel L. Jackson's demise. It's still being... Um, violently ill from the thought of violence, even at his own death. <laughs> yeah, he just couldn't deal with it. No. He said, he'd like, as soon as I see it, I'll just be like, <clears throat> throw up. Actually, what I will say is that that very last scene where uh, he's with the Scandinavian princess. <laughs> yes, if you're wondering how you get anal, you've got to save the world. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose probably the um, final part of this plot was that it was actually pretty big ad for Adidas and Guinness. Yes, and it's actually, I was just reading about that. The Kingsman label as such, uh, it was, the film included signature products placements from um, Adidas originals. So Adidas would have done really well out of this because it's doing big things in its release. So you've got Adidas. But funnily enough, um, Matthew Vaughan teamed up with um, a luxury retailer called Mr. Potter to create a 60-piece closing line based on the film um so they that's when they changed obviously the secret service to the kingsman secret service and mr potter worked with the film's costume designer um now i've got to pronounce this right arianne phillips to design um the bespoken suits throughout the film um so they've gone through and done their own shoes ties umbrellas you know ranging from everything which is really cool and that means you can actually we can go out now and buy those outfits that were in the movie which is really a rare thing you can do so that's pretty cool anyone out there that wants to dress like the Kingsman you can actually go and do that from uh, Mr. Potter's Mr. Porter's Mr. Potter this isn't Harry Potter is it Mr. Potter uh, Mr. Potter did it again there you go Mr. Porter so you can actually go to Mr. Porter's in England and buy the suits which is pretty cool. I'd like a suit like that. It's a nice I'd suit. I'd to think how much they cost. I'm sure they'd cost a pretty penny. Um, moving forward, the soundtrack for it, which was fantastic, it had Henry Jackman, who composed the orchestra soundtrack for it. So Henry Jackman, for anyone who doesn't know, he's done Big Hero 6 lately, and he did the Captain America Winter Soldier soundtrack. And he also done, was it Days of... No, it wasn't Days of Future Past... He done one of the X Men films, and I mental blank right now. I can't remember which one it was. That X Men film. One of the X Men films, yeah. I'm pretty with, sure with, with Hugh Jackman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's Hugh Jackman. That, that narrows it down pretty much. So, but it was a good soundtrack. But what was really good in it, and once again, another comic book film which takes a lot of great classic hits and interprets it in its film, is the backing soundtrack for Artists with sound, with songs like Die Straits, Money for Nothing, Dizzy Rascals, Bonkers, Casey and the Sunshine Band, Give It Up. And Leonard Skinner, Freebird. So just four awesome songs nicely slipped into the movie and they worked really well with it. Once again, proving that you know, comic book movies are more than just comic book movies. You can have a great soundtrack behind it, which Guardians of the Galaxy did that. And now, you know, I'm sure a lot of other comic book movies are going to interpret the same thing. Yeah, well, those three songs, again, worked into his um, Vaughn style. 
Yeah. Just over the top action violence pieces yeah. set to Which, pop culture songs. Yeah. Um, filming wise, it was later done in. Sorry. Excuse me. Uh, deep cut Syria, it's called. Syria. Sorry. Know. Sorry. There you go. Sorry. Prat. <laughs> um, so it was filmed over 2013, so obviously when. Matthew Vaughan stepped out of X-Men. Uh, 20th Century Fox announced that he would be doing this one. And it was filmed from there, from uh, 2013 onwards to 2014, early 2014, with some fa- with some um, scenes filmed at the Imperial College London, which is obviously uh, very pristine, or pr- very well used in films from the last 20 years. Same with uh, the Alexandra Road Estate in Camden. Camden. So yeah, there's um, some really historic this, places used there. This film was so British, it's... At the Queen. But yeah, no, it was, you know, you could see those iconic buildings that were used in other films. One of them was used in Matthew Vaughan's X Men first class film. Yeah, you must have got a good raid on that. Yeah. I'll definitely. be back here a couple more times if you give me a discount. Now, the release was actually done in London on January the 29th this year. Uh, they also did a live premiere whilst in Glasgow, so they were feeding it to Glasgow. And um, Mark Miller, being the great guy he is, he hosted a charity screening for the film in Glasgow to raise money for the school he went to, which is always a good little ploy for the film and to help out wherever he can. He's very uh, charity-based-minded. And um, for the release, they actually re-released the comic uh, on the 14th of January as a uh, paperback. So I'll be looking forward to trying to track that down because I've got a digital copy at the moment. Will you be reading it, Chris? Yeah, look at the comic book. Uh, Yeah, if I can find it, I'd... Probably flick through it, yep. but I'm curious. It's piqued my interest. Mm-hmm. Now it's only been released in the UK. It doesn't actually say it's been released anywhere else but Australia. So I don't know if actually the United States has got it yet. Uh, no, they're listed for the thirteenth. There you go, thirteenth. So there's still a week to wait. Um, but it's been getting rave reviews everywhere where you read and you look. It's getting good reviews. It is a good movie. It was filmed on a budget of 60 to $65 million, That's an estimate, with a box office so far of 7.2. So it's still got a fair bit to make up. But it hasn't opened it. Exactly. It's, yet, yeah. so it's still it's two small margins of the profit, so there's still a lot to go. Um, I'm sure it will make its money back. It's a great film. Oh, it's it a gr- <clears throat> It's a nice way to start off the comic book, I guess you call rat race that will be this year with all the comic book films and other TV shows that are launching this year. Well, it actually took me by surprise because we saw it at a uh, regional cinema yeah. and there was a huge queue and all thought, oh, that must be for American Sniper or something. But no, it was all for Kingsman. Yeah, yeah, it did. Uh, it, was, it wasn't a packed cinema, but it was pretty full. Yeah, especially considering it's a regional area. Yep. Um, but it's, yeah, it was a great film. I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It was a nice, I think, Kickstarter for the years of this year for films. Um, overall, yeah, really good film. If you haven't seen it yet, go and see it. But you've always seen if you listen to this podcast because otherwise you're going to get it ruined. Yes, and I'm quite sure um, the head honchos at Disney are shopping around for how big a pool they want for all their money. Yes. If this is how they're opening up the year. But yeah, it's a great film. I enjoyed it. Well, hang on. I'll ask you first, Chris, because I can't honestly think at the moment. What would your rating be? Well, I will give it four tangerines, Master Plan, at five. Tangerines. Mm. Besides, with an orgasm, sir. And I'll give it, uh, I'll give it three and a half out of. Four. I can't even think of a good pun at the moment. <laughs> you put me off with your. <laughs> no, it must have been. <laughs> you dickhead. 
I'll give it three and a half out of five violent vomits to violence. That, that is a tongue twister for you. I just should have said that. Yes, 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 yes. I give it three and a half out of five violent vomits. Is that better? That's better. Thank you. So yeah, guys, this has been uh, the review of the Kingsman. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed talking about it and join us again maybe in a couple weeks we're going to have a break we're moving into a studio so we'll be getting all that organised and we'll be back for more movie reviews no uh, yes capital capital Mr. Darcy I am uh, Kieran Dunn and he is uh, Chris Webber and um, you should be thankful that there might be a review next week because it would be Fifty Shades of Grey otherwise Christ no <laughs> we are not doing just put it I out think, there guys I think we'd prefer a break rather than review that one we won't just to just, uh, any people who think well, we might do actually do Fifty Shades of Grey it's not going to happen um, we might say that one for April 1st <laughs> Yeah, not, nothing at the moment, so don't hold your breath on that one. So yeah, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah. Hey, this is Kieran from The Halftime Effect. Do you like comics? Then be sure to check out our other podcasts, where we review, interview, and check out all the latest news in the comic book realm. You can check us out on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and all social media websites under The Halftime Effect. Be sure to check it out, guys.